This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alladay. Welcome, 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 welcome back to Fans on the Run, my own personal favorite Beatle podcast. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a reputable source. Anyways, how are you today out there, listeners? Good. Me too. Anyways, we have a great guest for you today. I have become acquainted with this man through another show, which shall not be named, because I'm only plugging fans on the run today. Okay, fine. Plastic EP. You can. It's every week. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Anyways, you know the deal. Uh, he is a member of All You Need Is Love, one of my favorite Beatles tribute bands. Because, yes, they are Canadian. They are Canadian. I have I I looked at my guest list and I realized I've only had about two Canadians on the show before, which is weird because I'm Canadian. But anyways, Nathan Liu, welcome to Fans on the Run. Well, hey Ethan, how you doing? I I'm doing very well right now. How are you? Well, listen, you're proud to be Canadian. Same with me. And I'm going to tell you right now, tribute bands all started in Canada, way back in the 70s, so we can be proud of that really? as well. Tribute bands started in Canada. That's true. What, what's your source on yep. that? I read it. <laughs> you heard it here first. It's got to be true. It's got to be true. I got it off the internet, off Google. It's got to be true. Of course. that that's That's just the law of the universe. That's right. Yeah. But I think I think it's pretty well. It doesn't really matter, but I just like to say that because we're Canadian. You know what I mean? Ethan? Yeah. It's, again, is anyone really going to take the time to find out if it's true or not? It, you know, <laughs> the good thing about facts is that you can lie about them. And a lot of people are too lazy to find out if you're telling the truth or not. Um, Ethan, the boys from All You Need Is Love, uh, tribute to the Fab Four from Calgary here, Van, Aaron, Reed, and and Brian—they all want to say hi to you. Oh man! They wish they could. Yeah. I guess I'm popular then. Yeah, and uh, you know, we know that you're so cool. We're gonna send you a uh, all you need, all you need is love T-shirt just for you, Ethan. Just for me. Just for you, pal. Oh man! For your birthday. It's like my birthday all over again. I get to turn 18 twice. And you get some freebies, too. Oh, I like free stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to send you a shirt. All right. All right. I I'm down. All right. So let me jump right back to the beginning. Sure. How did you first discover the Beatles? Well, you know, um, I was born in 61. So my aunt Marion used to... Uh, look after us as kids and she used to play all the Beatle albums. Mm -hmm. Now I'm saying records on a record player and I was about you know two or three and I heard uh, um, I think it's Meet the Beatles that has All My Lovin and all those songs yeah. and it was played over and over and over and um, Are you sure it was Meet the Beatles and not the Canadian Beatlemania with the what Beatles? Was what was the Canadian one called? Beatlemania with the Beatles. That's it. Yeah. It's black and white, right? Yeah. With the shadowed Beatles? Yeah. Okay, well, at that time, I remember that my aunt bought it for $2.50 because the price tag was on it. And 
hearing all these songs over and over and over when she babysat me. I was probably like four when that album came out. And, um, you know, I was listening to the Beatles and I thought, you know, I'm a kid, but this sound is so different than everybody else. And then as I grew into a man, I never thought that I was going to portray Paul McCartney. You know, I mean, you know, think about that. I'm a kid and my Aunt Marion is playing me these records. And then, you know, later on, I decided to do this because of that. So that's how it started. I've actually got something that I think you might get a kick out of. I, I don't have them out right now, but I have these, uh, I have a copy of Meet the Beatles and a copy of Beatles 65, both with uh, price tags still on them uh, from Eaton's. Yes, they, uh, they, had a, they had a section that had stereos and records. And, you know, the neat thing about records is when you buy them and you smell them, whether you buy them now or back then, they smell the same. There's a certain smell. I, I know smell exactly what you mean. Okay, so... It's, they smell like... Audiophile. To me, it's, it's almost like the smell of old books. You know, that's one of the smells, but it's just the smell that's so distinct. Like, when you get into there and you love vinyl, it, it's got to be the best smell, right? Oh, yes. Because it's like, you know... It doesn't smell like a CD, right? When yes. you get a CD, it doesn't smell like anything. Actually, I but wouldn't even know. I haven't bought a CD in about seven years. <laughs> because they're too small. You can't get the artwork on there. You no. can't get the lyrics on there. It's just too small. Yeah. There's nothing better, and, and it's it's cliche to say this, but then there's nothing better than having that, you know, 12-inch artwork. Well, you know, when you listen to a record... It's completely different to when you listen to a CD. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. There are people who are going to argue, and, you know, they got pretty close, but a record sounds like a record, and a CD sounds like a CD. And now, the younger generation saying, I don't like CDs. I want to listen to records. I mean, I, to be fair, most of them are listening to Spotify, which is worse than either of them. Well... You know, there are there are people of your age, and I don't know how they do it, but they get to the dad's garage one day, and they see this box, and they look and they go, "Oh, records, Led Zeppelin, Supertramp, uh, Beatles, you know everything." And you go, "Dad's pretty cool. He listened to Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin." You know, you're discovering all that stuff that we already did the first time, 25, 30 years ago. Well, I, I didn't have that exact kind of experience where, you know, find it in a box in a garage and it's like, oh, wow, my dad. But I, my dad did pass down a lot of the music he loved and he loved having me learn about it and, you know, listen to it. Like, I still remember when I first discovered The Who and how happy he was that I finally knew who The Who were. Well... I'm going to tell you a story about The Who if you're a big fan. I'm a very big fan of The Who. Okay. I'm going to tell you this story, okay? I, I will not stop you. Now, okay. Well, you know, I have a four-piece band, and we were the Fab Four for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And then we wanted to be more than the Fab Four. We wanted to have a keyboardist so we could play all the progressive Beatles music with horns, strings, or whatnot mm -hmm. that we couldn't do. So I enlisted this fella, and I want you to listen really carefully. 
I actually got this fella. His name is John Limesider. And he worked at the Music Center of Canada or it or over here and it's um it's a biggest music place in all of Canada. And um Is it still? they have the Rolling Stones Yes, they have the yeah, that's it. They have the Rolling Stones mobile unit recording van there that recorded Fleetwood Mac, Deep Purple Machine Head, um, Bob Marley, and John Limesider refurbished this van and you know he was sought after over the world he was the greatest keyboard restorer and um he was a keyboard player for iron butterfly you know god of davida oh yes and he was my keyboardist and and one time he was telling me a story that the who was in town and pete townsend was having a fit because his his his, his guitar foot pedal wouldn't work so his tech was trying to fix it and this is that sound check so he's having a fit right so the sound, the, the the tech is, you know, going out of his mind. He can't fix it, right? Mm-hmm. So he phones up John, and he's at the Saddle Dome here, which is where the, yeah. who we're playing. We'll get in the cab and get, get Pete's foot pedal and get down here, and I'll see what I can do. So John fixes it, and then they get back to the, to the, to the arena, and they hook it up, and Pete's all happy. And this guy says, you want to stay to the concert and meet the who? So the guy that's in my band, John Limesider, he fixed Pete Townsend's uh, foot pedal, and he probably got this guy to save his job because Pete was really mad, right? Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, so I've had shows where I say, John, um, we got a show, you know, blah blah blah, and he says, well, you know, Nathan, I can't, I can't do it because I'm going to Barbados to go fix 15 keyboards for Lenny Kravitz, right? Really? So if you look up John Limesider, he was he was more than just a keyboard player. He was famous and it was the first time that I ever had anybody pass that was in my band and we miss him dearly. You know, so um that's the story about the who and he also um you know, he'd say, I can't make practice tonight, I gotta go and detune Stevie Wonder's piano or I have to um you know and he was also working in California preparing 50 tube amps that were fenders for america do you know america the band yes well john limestarter was a guitar tech back in the 70s and he did 50 tube amps for america before they were going out on their tour so when we went on our road trips we would travel together and he would tell me all these great stories you know so it was great to know him but you know I'm on the show to tell you today how it all started and you asked me. So for me, uh, Ethan, how, how, how I got involved with uh, being in a tribute band is I saw uh, the original Beatlemania show back in the 70s, but I did not see the one in New York because, you know, that band, they wouldn't branch out that far because everybody wanted them so bad. So they came up with six or seven or eight punk mm-hmm. bands were where they didn't look like as much as Mitch did as Paul McCartney but they were good so they came to Vancouver Canada and uh, I went there with a good friend of mine and his name was uh, Paul Marsh and we're still friends today and Hi, Paul. Um, we, yeah we saw Beatlemania and this is what happened you hear this voice it says please don't smoke anything in the theater and then 
they start with, uh, they, the music, the show starts with, I want to hold your hand. You hear it, and then you see this curtain open, and you see this big silk screen where you can just see through it, but it looks like the Beatles because you can't see any detail. Yeah. Then they lift up the screen, and it's this bunk band, and I'll tell you, I was um, 19 at the time, and you see these guys in the Beatles suits, the guitars, and they're doing the songs. There was nothing like it at the time. They were the only tribute bands. So it wasn't Mitch. It wasn't, um, you know, the Broadway, but it yeah. was because these guys were funk bands. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, I said, this is just amazing. I love the Beatles. And I, and I had a dream. I said, I want to do the Beatles. And I know which Beatle I was going to do because I've always admired Paul McCartney's bass playing. Mm -hmm. And his voice is singing. But I also admired the Beatles as well as a unit. I want to ask, what was the first uh, Beatle album you remember owning on your own? The Beatles at the Hollywood Bowl. Really? I was so excited. Yes, because it came out, and I do believe, in 77. Yeah. And, you know, they'd broken up long after that mm -hmm. about seven years or so and you know there wasn't really anything coming out just rehashed stuff and then they said oh we're going to release the beatles at the hollywood bowl and no it was the star club mm -hmm. and the hollywood bowl that excited me they came out around the same time yeah but you know to get a brand new album that nobody i mean it was bootlegged but george martin and and i think it was jeff emmer or somebody it was jeff they Emmerich. remastered it okay so they remastered it and um you know, that wasn't exciting to get that album. It really was because I think I paid about three fifty for it at the time. Got it at A and B Sound. Mm -hmm. That was a record store that was huge in in Canada. A and B Sound. Yeah, was it, it was huge? Was it nationwide? Huge. And, 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 uh, I don't know, but you know, whenever I. You know, it was in Vancouver, it was Victoria. I mean, I'm from Victoria, so there was Kelly's and uh, A&B Sound at the time. And then you could go to Eaton's or Simpson Sears, and you could buy records, but they were just a little bit more in the department stores. So, you know what I mean? Just yeah. like the mall, you have to pay a bit more at the mall. I, I feel kind of uncultured about Canadian record store history, because the only big chain I know about is Sam the Record Man. Well, they eventually did dissipate, and... Um, you know, it's a shame. And, you know, it got too late to save all these wonderful record stores because your generation took too long to get it. Yeah. But now you get it. Um, you know, you guys hoard so many records like we used to. Like, you know, the more the better, right? Yeah. But they're heavy. And when you put them in milk crates, you've got to store them. So CDs are a little bit more uh, uh, easier to pack and, and store. Yeah. But again, CDs are boring. Well, not really. I mean, you know, there's some things that are not released on record. So you, you got to, you know, I don't know if you're into cassettes, but you should really get into it because that, that world is really cool. You can get some really neat stuff in cassette form. I mean, I, 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 I don't have a tape deck. I own about six cassettes, all of which are by the band we're talking about today. But, you know... I, I find cassettes to be just kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you something that, you know, you might be find interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, 
what I want you to do is be on the lookout for any kind of video machine that was a stereo recording, like a Sony, Sony that uh, a stereo or any kind of VCR that records, right? Mm -hmm. What you want to do is you want to take a video recorder from the eighties, mm -hmm. hook it up to your stereo, put on the best Beatles record you have, and press record. You won't have a picture. But now you've got music on quarter-inch tape, and you're going to sound unbelievable when you play it back on your stereo. I used to do that at parties. I used to take my stereo video machine, hook it up to my stereo with RCH or RCA plugs, put on my turntable, and record it like a cassette deck. You're not going to get no picture, but you'll get the sound. And because it's on a quarter-inch tape, you won't believe the fidelity you get. But wouldn't it still right. just be a needle drop? Yep. But you want to listen to analog the best and record it on tape. Cassette is only half the size of videotape. Mm -hmm. The wider the tape, the better. It's all magnetic, right? Yeah. But I, I've never really thought of VHS as like the ultimate audiophile format. Well, it's because us guys are a bunch of brainiacs and we had parties and we wanted to have the best sound and that's how we did it back then. Very, We had very little to work with, but we we kicked some serious butt with it. Yeah. So. You know, you couldn't just turn on YouTube and put on a playlist those days, you know? Yeah. Again, I, so, I have about... Ethan, get back to... Um, What was that? Oh, I was just going to say, I ha even though I have about, you know, 50, 55 Spotify playlists, it's not as fun putting on a playlist as yeah. it is, you know, even though, I will admit, I am a record buyer, I have a decent collection, I I hate records. They are, again, I've said this, it, they're a pain in the ass. You have to take care of them well, you, you can't touch the grooves. And then the further you get into audiophile territory, it's like, okay, well, you need to buy a record cleaning machine. You need to replace your stylus like every four minutes. Your, uh, it's it's not. It gets less fun as you f go further into audiophile territory. Well, you know, it is true, but that's. That's that's what we had to do back then. And even to this day, audiophile people that you want to take care of your records because, you know, Ethan, they're your babies. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I've you know, always, they have to be looked after. Oh, I've always taken care of my records. But it's like, the, the you have to take them out of the jacket, take them out of the inner sleeve, put them on the thing, brush the record, clean your stylus. Yeah. Then you have to, if you don't have like an auto needle drop thing, you have to like look yeah. very closely, make sure you're not yeah. too far off or not like halfway into the first song. Again, I'm preaching to the so, choir here. So what I want to talk to you about today was, you know, I'm going to get into, um, you know, my band which is all you need is love and we pick that name or i pick that name because it's a great message and it's already copyrighted and it doesn't have any references to the name the beatles and so that's why i picked that name and uh you know 
the John guy in my band, his name is Ben. He thought, you know, he said, do you think that name's a bit long? And I said, well, it is, but it's got a great message. So I like that mm -hmm. because, you know, music can move people. And what we do for a couple of hours, you know, brings people back to just listening to music and forget about their problems. So, you know, I, I handpicked this band. And, um, you know, the first guy I want to talk about is my John Lennon guy. His name is uh, Van Guerra. And, um, you know, he's he's a great John. And I met him through um, um, an ad I put out in Kijiji. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to tell you the truth, I gave him a hard time because I had all these John guys that said they were all that. But when I talked to them, they weren't. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, uh, you know, kind of gave him a bit of a hard time. But when I met him, um, you know, he knew a lot of songs and we harmonized well together. And, um, you know, he's a self-taught musician and uh, he's always wanted to be in a Beatles tribute band for all his life. And um, he'd heard about me, but I didn't hear about him. So um, when he met me, you know, I gave him his opportunity. And um, he's a very humble individual, but he's a very, very good uh, musician. Um, he helps with arrangements, uh, guitar bits, and, you know, he's a great guy. So, you know, I don't know what I'd do without this guy because, you know, him and I were born to sing together. And, you know, he's like my brother. So um, I just wanted to, you know, talk about him today. And, you know, he's, he's invested. He's got a, you know, a Miami, you know, 19th issue, 64 Rickenbacker, the casino, the J1 and Vox amp. And, you know, we invested all our money in, you know, the suits and we have different costumes and wigs, beetle boots, you name it, you know. So that's my John guy. And, you know, and he wants to say hello to you guys as well today, you know over in Ontario there. And the second guy up is um, is, is, is my drummer, uh, Aaron Patton. You know, he's uh, he's a great Ringo, um, you know, because I'm the bass player and him and I lock in. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons. And, he, and he's just, he's just you know, Reed Crapo, which is our keyboard player, always says that he's the most consistent guy of the band and he is. Yeah. You know, he I mean, doesn't make mistakes. Beatle band or not, you don't really have a good band unless you have a consistent and tight rhythm section. Well, you know, that's very true, and that's in any band. And, and, and you know, the greatest thing that's special about Aaron is he's actually a pastor. Really? But he's a more of a modern-day pastor. He's got, he's got a sense of humor just like all of us, you know? Hmm. A pastor in a Beatle band. And, um, yeah, and... and um, you know he's 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 a great Ringo. He sings well. Is he's he's really solid on the drums and and um, just an all around really good guy, funny guy. You know, he loves horror. He loves to go to those those uh, horror cans or whatever they are. Yeah. He dresses up as Mike Myers and scares people. You know. I'm gonna ask. So he says hi to you. He says hello to you today too. Oh. well. Thank you all to so, everyone else and come or in yes, all you need is love. Yes, I almost said come together yes, because. Indeed. That is what is on the poster behind you. None of none none of the audience can see anything, so you'll have to take my word. Well, you know what, Ethan? That poster back there is uh, a show that we did for uh, a huge mining company out here in Alberta, and uh, it, they went all out for everything. So it was it was pretty neat show, and um, you know we enjoyed that. So that's what that is. So. My next fella up is uh, a, our, our keyboardist, and um, his name is Reed Crapo. Mm -hmm. 
And ladies and gentlemen, this fellow is not just a keyboard player. Uh, this fellow plays percussion. He sings. He helps us with the arrangement of our songs. He tells me if I'm flat or sharp when I'm singing. And he also does our sound. And, um, you know, he's got two keyboards and they're very expensive keyboards, but he can play horns. Uh -huh. He can play violins and play and, you know, proper time. And um, we do sampling, for example, beginning of Get Back, you know, you hear the Beatles, you know, they're going yeah. sweet Loretta Falls, you thought she was a woman. And we sample that. So you hear the Beatles, but we don't sample their music. You hear the Beatles talking, warming up for Get Back and, you know, you know, getting ready. And all of a sudden you hear one of us go, one, two, three, four, the sample stops. So the audience gets to hear a sample. And, you know, that's pretty cool because, you know, we get to do that, right? And, um, you know, he, you don't get these, these, these sounds from the factory on these keyboards. He programmed them himself, okay? So, if you listen to Day of Life, there's all that orchestration going on, all that chaos. And you know the clock that rings? Yeah. Mr. Crapo has, has got that into the music. So, you know, we don't, we don't, I mean, this is nothing against any other bands that does this. But for me, uh, me and Van have tried click tracks and, um, um, you know, other ways of, of, of trying to do this. And it didn't work for us. So we enlisted another member to play live with us to be able to play all the keyboard parts and horn parts and percussion and we couldn't possibly do by with a four-piece band we play i'm a walrus to the abbey road stuff and you need strings you need more because the Beatles were progressing more like sergeant pepper i can't do all that on my bass, all the horns and all that. So that's where Reed comes in and we couldn't do our show without him. So I wanted to put, I wanted to give him a large credit for that because, you know, he deserves it. He's kind of like our Billy Preston. That uh, That's a great way to describe it. Your very own Billy Preston. Yeah. yeah. So the next guy, and Reed says hi to you too, Ethan. Hello to you, Reed. So, and Reed has been to... Um, the Cavern, you know, for those Beatle Fests or those Beatle <laughs> yeah, it, Week things? International Beatle Week. Yeah, and Van has been to um, Abbey Road, and I haven't, you know, I haven't been to any of that. And I didn't see Paul McCartney till I was 50 years old. So I'm always the last. Everybody I know has met Paul McCartney or something, but not me. So it was good to see him, you know. I, but the next person... I've never met Paul McCartney, but ahead. he did wave at me from the stage well that's pretty cool because uh that you know that's that 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 that's just like you're lucky that he's still you know with us and you got to see that you know i mean because you know you're only 18 and he could have not been around so yeah. you know that's really cool luckily i, I, mean, that I was wearing cool. my blue sergeant pepper suit so that, you know he probably said hey you know i know that i know that suit yeah i have one too so the next guy up is um, a fellow by the name of Brian Manduik. And Brian, you know, the funny thing is, if you've ever gone to an audition before, 
um, you know, uh, it's pretty nerve wracking. And the funny thing is he auditioned for us and, you know, to tell you the truth, he was a great guy, but he just wasn't ready yet. <laughs> so that was that because I was looking for somebody that was a little bit more ready. And um, through friends and things, you know, you're always looking for a new George or something like that. And his name came up and he showed up. And then we kind of like, did we, did we audition this guy before? Well, I don't know. So we didn't really know. So a third time he came back and I seen that he had potential. So I decided that I would go and work with him and try to help him. And, you know, between you and me, and it's no secret, I'm a very demanding person because I want it to be good. Yeah. So I have to say that he had the talent, but, you know, I'm very demanding. So he really took a lot of demands from me and I have to give him credit because, you know, he really, really hung in there and, you know, we have to praise him for that, you know, and he's the hell of a nice guy. And so, but, you know, he's our George. And um, I just wanted to mention that, you know, there's not a lot of people that can take my kind of demands because I'm pretty intense, you know? Yeah. You, you don't seem too <laughs> intense to me. Well, you know, because I'm not in the studio and, you know, like you and I were friends. Yeah. And if you were with me and we were in the studio and we were playing them together in a band, I would say, you know, Ethan, you know, when I talk to you as friends, you know, that's fine. But when it comes to the music, I can't bite my tongue just because you're my friend. Yeah. I have to say to you, look, you know, these people, you know, when you want to do the Beatles. Mm -hmm. you, you, can't, you can't skimp out. That's right, because the music is so well known by people as young as yourself and people that were there from the beginning. So if you don't do it right, they're gonna rip you to shreds. So, you know, I mean, we must be crazy because we have big shoes to fill, <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's, you know, that's no big deal because, you know, we love to rehearse and, you know, try to get it as good as we can and learn from other people that we watch on YouTube because really there are, thousands and thousands of Beatles tribute bands out in the world, you know, and you can see them on YouTube. And here's the thing, you know, all these people have to, you know, they have to, you know, track down Rickenbacker guitars, Gretsch guitars, Hoffner basses, you know, Vox amps, Ludwig drums, yeah. you know, the suits. I mean, it's quite a cost, mm -hmm. right? So there's only so many Rickenbacker guitars that are fire glow there are only many so many jet glows and you know yeah. so people are are, are 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 after this stuff i mean for i'll say this about rickenbacker for a company that um makes guitars they seem to not like making guitars like no it's not that at all well they all it's all their, made their factory only produces like you know a small number of stuff per year I've I've talked with well, people who have been on like a Rickenbacker wait list for three years. You know what? I was just going to tell you that, Ethan. You're pretty sharp. You know, you see, Rickenba or Rickenbacker is an American company out of California. Yeah. And if you try to sell some kind of knockoff Rickenbacker, they will come after you with their lawyers. They're the only company that does that. Okay? Yeah. Even Gibson, when I'm they were doing their whole play authentic thing they right. it, it's all it's all talk right and second of all let's just say you wanted 
a 12 string Rickenbacker like George's from A Hard Day's Night, they're not going to make it for you specially. They're going to wait until they have an order for, you know, a, a 360, you know, C64, whatever it is, then you'll get it. And they're like a year and a half in advance orders because, you know, Rickenbacker's Rickenbacker, you know, they're very expensive guitars, but I will tell you this, either you like them or you don't, but they are very unique in their sound. And that's one thing about, um, you know, Beatles bands all over the world, and that includes the best or the newest or, you know, whatever. The moment that you plug in a Rickenbacker bass or a Gretsch guitar, you're going to hear the Beatles because that is what's on the records. But then again, you must plug into a, a Vox AC30 or yeah. something like that. Uh, I'll tell you, one of the most magical moments of my life happened last year. You know, I, I've been fortunate. I've been to enough guitar stores, even without like buying the guitars. I, I've played most of the Beatle guitars. You know, the Rickenbacker 325s, the Gretsch Country Gentlemen's. But yesterday, or not yesterday, last year, I finally got to try a Rickenbacker 360 12-string C63, or whatever it was, at the Chicago Music Exchange. And so I took it into the little side room, and I just felt this aura when I picked it up, like, holy shit. And I plugged it into their Vox AC30, and, you know, need, need I say more? Well, if you're into Rickenbacker, did you know that Rose Moores yes. had models in the UK that were different than Americans? Yep. They, I, I know a bit about it. They had like different model names. Like Their version of the 325 is called the 1996. And their version of the 4001 base... Oh, my God. Their version of the 4001 you're base... Sharp. You're pretty sharp. Their 4001 base was called the 1999... I know that because there, right. there was a Chris White. Oh, I know not Chris White. Chris Squire from Yes had a signature model That's that right. was like the 1999. And the one that Paul McCartney has is not a stereo Rickenbacker. It's mono. Yeah. There's no Rickle sound. No. Because I have that. I have a re I have a reissue, but it's not a C63. It's a V63 before C63. Yeah. If my knowledge about so, the Rickenbacker company is correct, that would have made it... They they switched over to the C-Series in, what, 2001? Something like that? Yep. I mean, that sounds about... But they're expensive guitars. They really are expensive guitars. Yeah. But... I, I love them, but are they really worth, like, two and a half grand? Well, you know, everything's more money now. Even the Gibson Les Paul has gone up. So so, so at the time when I was your age, a Gibson Les Paul was only three to $500. For a Gibson Les Paul? Yes. And a Strat was about 300 American Fender Strats were about 370s. Oh, man. So... If you were 18 years old in 1970, you could buy a Mustang for $2,500 out of the factory. Wow. <laughs> so you missed the boat on that one. I, I sure but, as hell you know, missed the I boat. Mean, well, you know, it doesn't matter because, I mean, um, you know, it's it, you don't have to buy a Rickenbacker, but if you want one, you, you have to pay it because that's the, they're like Apple. They're not going to give you a deal. No. You know, yeah. but you know, getting back to your show, I actually just I wanted mean, to ask um, you a question. You were talking about sure. a, 
arrangements for songs and stuff. I want to ask, uh, yeah. what's been kind of the hardest song that's kind of like an unexpected one to get right on stage? For us? Yeah, and I, I don't even mean something like A Day in the Life where it's kind of inherently complicated. Just something weird that you guys have found kind of hard to nail right. Um, geez, that's, you got, you got me on that one, but I would say, um, nothing really in the early years, more from 67 to like the Abbey Road where, you know, I mean, they were so good at their harmonies, like, because uh-huh. that's the one. All right. If you listen to because if somebody's off or flat, we're done. Yeah. So that would be the one. Because is a very, you know, beautiful arranged harmonies that the Beatles learned as, as, as uh, way back as the Hamburg days. So they were veterans at harmonies. Let's face it, you know. Yeah. The only other band that I think had as good harmonies as the Beatles in the sixties was maybe the Hollies. Yes, uh, the BG. You know, there was Simon and Garfunkel. There was Everly Brothers. There were many. Yeah. But there were only two Everly Brothers, and there was only Simon and Garfunkel. There were three Beatles harmonizing. It's true. It's true. But, you know, harmonies are beautiful, whether they're two, three, four, or five, you know? And, 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 you know, each of those particular bands harmonized in their own way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I I know what you mean. Like, if you're going to do something difficult, the Beatles are pretty... You know that's how you do it but when you want to do the hollies it's a little bit harder to figure them out <laughs> you know they do some really you know yeah you know um they you know they were a little bit different than most british invasion bands where their harmonies were outstanding not that the others weren't yeah. but they just had a certain style and everyone that is into the british invasion talks about the hollies yeah. right i mean you can say what you will i, I love the dave clark five their harmonies are not very complicated, if there are harmonies well, at all. You know that Dave Clark put all the rights for Top of the Pops, the uh, shows, right? Yeah, uh, he also, I think, has, what what was it called? Ready, Steady, Go. That was... Uh, I'm sorry, not Top of the Pops, Ready, Steady, Go. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dave Clark, what a what a shrewd businessman. It's like... You know, I, 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 I'm not surprised... But I'm I'm amazed that you can actually keep up with an old guy like me when it comes to what we're talking about because most kids at your age would be stumped like what are you talking about like who's this and you know what's what I mean that's you should be patting yourself on the back that alone because you know the, you know what I love about the Beatles is you know you have people you know from kids to people your age to my age. And women like Kid O'Toole and Jude Sutherland are so good at their subject about the Beatles. And, you know, it's great that everybody can be involved, whether you're a child or a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. It's it's a, it's a subject that, it, it, you know, it's, it's so neat to be able to just talk to somebody and you can be their friend right away because the subject you're talking about, you have passion about. And, you know, that's another thing I want to bring up today is that, you know, like yourself, um, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, make you feel bad, but you're on the internet, 
on a podcast. So you're becoming a internet sensation. I wouldn't use the word sensation. Um, well, well, I can. So that's why I said I don't want to make you feel bad. But you are. You're young. People can see it. You're knowledgeable. You have your own style. Um, so you're you're the prince of podcasts. You can't be the king because you're just too young for that. You got to be a little bit older. Then you can be the king. Jesus, who's the but king then? The there isn't one yet. Okay. You'll be the king when you get a little bit older. But you're the prince because you're only 18. You can't be the king. That I would give. That would be too, you got too much too soon. All right. I, I'm so the, you got to be. The prince. I'm the prince, and you know, as Prince once said, "My name is Prince, and I am funky." There you go. So you know, it's great that you're 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 educating people. You're getting their minds off horrible COVID-19 where it's so miserable and the passion for the Beatles and the people that you're getting on and you know I'm in a Canadian Beatles tribute band and when I tune in and I hear um, you know fans on the run like Mark Benson I keep going on about Mark Benson but you know I saw 1964 and I look up to guys like that and you know when he t when he talks about you know making his own Rickenbacker um, you know, making lighter amps. I mean, that's just brilliant. I mean, these guys have done it. So, you know, we've got to look up to that and try to be as good as that or better. Or, I don't know if it was you know, incredibly noticeable when you were listening to that episode, but I was fucking drooling when he was talking about, you know, because I'm a sucker for any stories like luthier wise, like building guitars and like building replica Rickenbackers. And when he was telling stuff about like building the 360 and the 325 and then making these kind of small dummy Vox amps and then getting a cease and desist letter from Vox because he was doing it too well. He never did it. He never did it to sell. He did it yeah. to perform. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you guys got, you got another guy on there um, for your fans in the run, uh, Russ Lease. None of us guys would have Beatles suits or costumes. And I'm talking about the best tributes in the world. We wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for Russ Lease. So Russ Lease, you get my hats off to you. And, you know, these are interesting things to listen to. Now, um, people are at home, you know, they're not very happy and they're listening to podcasts because people don't always want to watch TV, whether it's cable TV or internet TV. They just want to listen to like if you've ever been in your car and listen to am radio and you listen to cbc for us in canada but in the united states you know you just listen to somebody talking on the radio could be howard stern or whatever and you know you just forget about everything because you're listening to this person talking which is great so you you're capitalizing that during the COVID 19 where everybody's at home and you're making history you're putting your passion into the Beatles and you're getting these stories from people and they're probably just going to tell you because they probably trust you or there's something about your show that they like, you know? Yeah, this is completely unrelated to anything, but you just mentioned the uh, CBC and I just, talking about what is CBC Radio 1, I have this distinct... This is what I think of when I think of CBC. I, I was once in the car, driving home from uh, the Gas Bay in Quebec with my mom, and all the stations were in French. I don't speak French very well. And so the only English station for, like, any of the ride 
was CBC Radio 1, and I still remember, like, tuning in, trying to find an English station, and then they were talking about, like, two types of ketchup, and it's, like, this very analytical thing, and it's like, well, that's the CBC. Well, you know, Ethan, I, I think I heard you, um, whether it was one of your one of your fans and run podcasts or on uh, the internet um, live TV with me and Kid O'Toole that, um, you know, you weren't sure if you were going to do podcasts. I think you just did one for shits and giggles and uh, you ended up, you know, it fell into your lap and you should be doing this because, you know, you have people that are coming on your show on purpose because they want to support you because you're the future, you know, after us old guys are gone because you have such a passion for this. And, um, you know, I think you were meant to do it. And um, I hope this doesn't hurt you, but I think your your father would have been very proud of you because, um, you know, people are, are, you know, you're not just this kid that's messed up. I mean, you're you're sharing, yeah. you know. Why, why uh, would that hurt you know, me? That just makes me happy to hear. You know, I, you know, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I, 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 I just think that he would be very, very proud of you because you're doing something that's entertaining people during a horrible threat to the world. You know, I mean, um, nobody's happy right now. No. So, you know, when you're when you're when you're telling people about a story, you know, these stories are not boring. I mean, you've got people on there and if people love the Beatles, they're going to tune into your show and, um, you know, they're going to listen to a podcast. Now, a podcast is for listening. Okay. So if you look, if you look at the uh, history of uh, the old days, families would gather around listening to the old tube radio yeah. and that was the source of entertainment. Now it's 2020. That has not changed for you. They're just not tube radios, yeah. right? So I congratulate you on the fact that you are very young. And I know I keep saying that, but we're all fascinated. And that's why all these people are coming on your show, because they, they want to meet you and they want you to preserve the history for you youngins. And, you know, you should be proud of that because you're beating all these other people that wouldn't do it at your age. You're out there, you know, being 18 and having a good time. So... Um, if you look back 20 years from now, you're going to say, you know, I did, I did uh, create history on a podcast. You know, you're not on a internet TV show. You on a podcast, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, can I tell you, know, you just as a you little know, thing about the origins of the show? I think I've probably said this in other episodes, sure. but I'll let you in on a secret. The only reason this show actually happened was because. It was towards the start of the COVID lockdown, and I was starting to get feel really isolated. And it's like, man, I want to talk to people. Oh wait, I'll you know I'll I'll well, just figure I, out I, a way to talk to people. I'll just call it a podcast. It's like, well, I want to talk to people about the Beatles. Perfect. Do a Beatles podcast just so you can talk to people. And now here I am. Well, you know what? You're probably right on that, but sometimes you're chosen is your calling and and that's the way it is and you know in a you know in a little bit you and i are going to be on a on an internet tv show and it's all right you can, um, say, can you guess who you that is his name you can say his name well it's not a he it's a she oh yeah it it's is going to be it is her show now 
you know we both love Kit because she's so smart and charming. She's a she's a sweetheart of a person, isn't she? Oh yeah. Kit may be my so, closest friend in this Beetle community. Well, she certainly she certainly takes a liking to you. And what I like about meeting you and her is you're interesting in your own right because you are the prince of podcasts. You're PP, okay? You know what? And this she, is doing more to boost my fucking self-esteem than I thought it would. I have a title now. I'm actually really excited about that. <laughs> well, you know, just make sure you just do a great job and you can keep it. I, I will try and keep the throne. So PP stands, PP stands for Prince of Podcast. And then one day it will get, it'll be KP, King of Podcast. Hear that, everybody else? So, but, you know, you don't want to be the king right away. You want to work to yeah, it, right? because if it's I was the king right away, I might be, you know, dethroned one day. Then what could you go to? You can't go anything higher. Yeah. So then you got Kittle too. Why did that I hear that Nigel Tufnell's voice when he said, "I don't can't know." Can't go any higher. Yeah, go to eleven. Yeah. So then you get Kittle too that writes a book about the non-popular Beatles songs that are brilliant. Now you all have interesting things about you, and you know I've enjoyed meeting her and talking to her, and you know. You're the prince of podcasts. Now, I'm going to bring up a very special friend of mine, and he is. I'm close to this guy. Can you guess who it is? Um, would this guy happen to be Australian? He is. Would... Classic EP. Yep. Classic EP. He is the greatest thing, uh, sensation on the internet right now, and everybody's buzzing on him. And I thought I was. He, no, you're the podcast prince. Okay. Okay. He's the internet TV sensation. Mm -hmm. All right. And I'm close to him. And, you know, he is bringing Beatle people together. And a lot of them are, you know, older. And he's getting these stories that they trust him. And authors can get these stories that nobody's heard and you know what he's done for me promoting our band all you need is love and um you know there's the paul mccartney uh that he died in 1966 and we've all kind of believed it and we didn't believe it but he's got leslie candish on his show now i'm a hairstylist this guy worked with videl sassoon i have big respect for that because i'm videl sassoon trained he cut Paul McCartney's hair, and Plastic says, look, is it Paul McCartney? He says, same hair pattern, same features. So we squashed that theory that Paul McCartney's dead. So, Paul, enjoy your life. He's not dead. He's alive. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know if he squashed it because I don't know how many people actually believed it in the first place. You know something? They believe that Elvis hangs out at Burger King. Well, doesn't he? I saw him there last week. And you're Canadian, right? Yeah. Now, you've seen the Sasquatch, haven't you, in your backyard? You, it does exist, doesn't it? I can neither confirm nor deny. And you have seen Ogopogo, haven't you? Again. 
My lips are sealed. See? See? Isn't that a song? Yeah, yeah by the Go-Go's. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's great for us Canadians to be on his show because we're Canadian and Aussies get along beautifully, you know? And for us to be able to do a show from Canada to Melbourne, Australian, that's great. It's a you ripper. Know? It is a ripper, and you know he's he's ahead of he's ahead of his time for sure. He was born to do it. Yeah, he has been being. Did you know that he was Plastic EP since nineteen seventy nine? I know he. I have his records, his new wave singles from nineteen eighty one. Mister Plastic EP has written two thousand songs, and he's the only person I know that can cut a song in fifteen minutes. 15 minutes. You know that's what? Like that quote I from, can't even write a song. That's like that quote from the Ruddles. Like, their first album was recorded in 20 minutes. Their second took even longer. That's right. And you know the Ruddles, do you? I love the Ruddles. Well, do you know there were some Canadians in there? Uh, yes. Yes. I know there's a lot... Who was it? I know there's uh, a lot of the Saturday Night Live people. That's right. That's right. Although I'm blanking on which so, ones. Yeah. So, you know, we're getting geared up to do a, a rock show, too, for Mr. Plastic EP. And um, we're going to start taping September 12th. And we're going to put it out for people at home, absolutely free, so they can enjoy, you know, so some music and, you know. Well, that sounds like fun. So we're looking forward I'll to that. I'll be watching. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I want to hit you with some quick-fire questions. Sure, you can go right ahead. What is your favorite Beatles song? My favorite Beatles song is going to be answered in two ways. Now, I've said it before, my favorite Beatles song is Help. Help? But I only like the mono version, okay? That is... They record... I, I know exactly what you mean, the different take but what what about the mono version i'm gonna tell you well i'm gonna tell you something because you were you weren't born yet but in 1965 my aunt marion took me to see help and in the original help movie where you see clang throwing the darts it's all in black and white right you know the part I'm oh talking yeah about, i right? i have i it's one of my favorite movies even though it's a little outdated okay. by today's uh, okay. social standards. So, so the original, if you listen to it, it was mixed different, and it was in mono. So soon as we came out for video, they dubbed in the stereo version. I actually right? have and I a copy of that 1965 film version of the soundtrack on my computer with the slightly different version of Help, where you can hear John stronger right. than anyone else. That's right. And if you listen to Help, if you listen to the recording of it, the fidelity isn't that great. The 12 string, when I when I hear other versions of Help by tribute bands, um, not that they're playing the song bad, but the acoustic guitar is usually quite clean. Yeah. So it sounds too country. So if you listen to Help, that 12 string almost sounds like 
the meters almost where the distortion would be yeah. right before it starts distorting so if you want to play the song properly you want that 12 string to really sound rough and you want to you know push it a bit more so when you play it live and you do that all of a sudden you've got help well, that's the, the kind of the stereo versions a bit that's the thing with a lot of John Lennon's rhythm parts. I've noticed, like, even listening to, like, the, the raw, isolated tracks, there are very few clean John Lennon. Like, George's tone was fairly clean with that Gretsch Country Gentleman duo jet, what have you, Tennessean. But John's always sounded like it was on the verge of, like, blowing up the tubes in his AC-30. Well, yeah. So my favorite version of Help is the mono version, and it's the way they played it. It's the way that it sounds. It's not very, you know, it, there's other Beatles songs that are recorded better, but there's just something about that song that just grabbed me from the beginning. And, you know, there's other Beatles songs, but that is the one that I'm always going to say, you know. But my second favorite Beatles song is probably when the, you know, when we get out there on stage and, you know, people are digging the song. That's my favorite you know, because if, if it's their favorite, then it's my favorite. Yeah. And so I want to ask, what is your <laughs> least favorite Beatles song? Well, you know, a lot of people get um, asked that song. And, um, you know, I've always liked uh, melodic and, and, you know, I mean, there was some, you know, there was some phases that the Beatles went through that, you know, I wasn't really keen on. And, you know, probably... Um, not the idea itself, but Revolution 9 was not a melodic type of, you know, it was very avant-garde yeah. at the time, so... It's a I sound still, collage. I still, yeah, I still look at it as, as, as art, and, you know, I can, but, you know, for a song that I would perform, I wouldn't want to perform it, so that would be the song. Yeah. For me, anyways. Well, I, I, I don't even know if I'd consider it a song. Well, if it's if it's listed on the album, it's a song. <laughs> that is a fair point. So, what is your? Well, can you imagine hearing it? Could you imagine? Could you imagine your grandmother sitting there going, "Who are you listening to? I thought you were listening to the Beatles." What is this number nine? Number nine, and you know, she might think it's rubbish. Yeah. You know? Well, I've I only listened to Revolution Nine the full way through last year, and I've been a diehard Beatle fan for about 10 years i only listen to it like i i i've i have like nine vinyl copies of the white album but it's usually i kind of turn it off as revolution so i to be fair that means i also haven't really heard good night i haven't been as exposed to that because i just kind of turn well, the record you know I'm, you know i'm gonna meet them. i'm gonna be Exactly. You know, you're going to find somebody that might really like a song that we don't like. And um, and that's okay, because you know, everyone has the right to like what they yeah, like. Yeah, everyone's right? allowed to be wrong. It's still the Beatles. Yeah. Right? So, I want to ask you, what is your... F and we all have artists that... Oh, no, keep going. I interrupted. Go ahead. no. Nope, I'm ready. Oh, Go ahead. I was going to ask, what is your favorite Beatle album? My favorite Beatle album. Hmm. I'm going to say I have, well, Hard Day's Night. Okay. 
explain. Well, I think I like A Hard Day's Night because they added that 12 string in there. And it just gave him the secret weapon. And the songs were just great on that album. Oh, yeah. It was the early Beatles at their peak. You know? All... Well, all thirteen of yeah, the, I mean, all of the tracks are original Lennon and McCartney, one Harrison. Yeah, yeah and it's sixty four. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, I mean, think about it's it. The now. Beatles on top. You know, Richard. Messing- my my friend John Montagna explained it this way: It's like the Beatles had just come back from the USA from doing like the Ed Sullivan show. They were on top of the world. Who's better than us? No one. And so you hear the Beatles on top of the world. Well, who's who's your favorite? My favorite. What's your favorite album? Uh, my favorite album, Beatles. and the correct answer is Revolver. Okay, well, you know, you got spoiled there because that's when the Beatles completely changed. Well, what, now you got it. What I, I like about Revolver is there's still traces of the early Beatles in there, like with some songs like "And Your Bird Can Sing." and you know good day sunshine but you know they are very much experimenting in more ways than one well here's another thing here's another thing for you ethan on revolver mccartney harrison and lennon started playing different amps and different guitars (laughs) you know they weren't really using the AC-30s as much. They were... I know George used uh, well, yeah. this... Uh, I'm going to get the model number wrong. It's a, a Vox Solid State. Uh, a UL-730. I, I, I know that because I've been trying to search for that guitar tone for fucking years. That Dr. Robert and your bird can sing just slightly distorted Vox Solid State tone. There's a there's a few pedals out there that can do that. What you're looking well, for. I, I know, but a lot of them are very expensive. Like there's this really nice one called uh, like the Doctor Robert pedal. That's the pedal I was going to tell you to get. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's even got like artwork. It's, it's even got artwork from uh, Klaus Vormann on it. That's right. It's amazing. It's amazing. You got to get it. Do you have one? No. Have you played? I'm a bass player. Okay. Have, have you played it before? No, but I saw it on a YouTube video. I, You know, I keep up with my stuff, just like you do. And, you know, it's pretty cool how they can get a pedal to do yeah. that. And then there's other... Because it's, the moment you hear it, it's definitely Revolver, Paperback Rider. Oh. You know that oh, sound. Yeah. And it's there's other pedals, like the... It's like this JHS... Uh, I think it's called like a crayon box that's supposed to be like DI into like a mixing desk. Like rev- you've done your homework. Well, I'm I'm a you've I'm a guitar player. I'm a, I'm a music nerd. What can I say? So what other question, what other question you want to ask me? Um, why do you think the Beatles still matter? Why do I think the Beatles still matter? Yes. Because they were not just musicians. They, they, they paved the way for fashion. 
they paved the way for technology, ADT, and all the things they did in the studio. They um, made the very first videos before much music mm -hmm. and and all that stuff. MTV. Thank you for actually they, for once saying, I finally have a guest that says much music before they say MTV. Uh, well, I'm Canadian. Yeah. They they um they 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 took they had they they took control with apple even though it didn't work out with yeah. them you know they um they did that meditation thing in in india they you know they were they were forerunners in everything they did and um you know they didn't really their timing was so um perfect you know i mean this was the swinging 60s and they invented all they wrote their own material i mean you know What's more to say? They wrote their own material, and they wrote songs that were uh, jazz, children's songs, hard rock, uh, country. You know, there was a lot. There was a lot there, right? Yeah. Like, you could imagine, I was um, um, six years old when Hey Jude came out. There was no song on AM radio that played as long as Hey Jude. Do you know that, Ethan? Well... In a God of Davida came out the same year, but they didn't play them. But it was not. They would have never played that song on AM radio. Yeah. Never. And they they wouldn't play the full seventeen minute version. And I bought the forty five at Woolworths for ninety nine cents. So you know, not bad. And I think it was Old Brown Shoe on the other side the, or something like that. And I didn't really get. The side was Revolution. Revolution. Okay, well, I didn't really get it because I thought, what is this heavy rock and roll? Like, what is this? You know, they started distorting and, you know, they were listening to Jimi Hendrix and, you know, they started, you know, they started getting heavier. Now, here's my favorite part of the show. Where can we find All You Need Is Love? Well, you know, you can go on our, uh, our page and see our promo video and it's uh, Beatles... Uh, Beatlesband.net, uh, or you can go on uh, All You Need Is Love, Tribute to the Fab Four, and look at our Facebook page, or you can come on Nathan Liu, L-O-O, and see uh, stuff there, and or you can go on Plastic EP Show, or you can get on uh, Ethan's Fans in the Run Show, and, you know, there's a way of finding people, yeah. right? Well, Nathan, it's it's been an absolute blast talking to you today. Uh, I, I especially enjoyed well, geeking out about gear. That's something I, I... Well, thank you very much. That's Ethan. something I don't get to do very much. Well, it was a pleasure, and from one Canadian to another, you yeah. know? All right, eh? You know, we all, you know what we always say, eh? Yeah. The thing is, I always thought, like, Americans were exaggerating until I really analyzed my speech patterns. And it's like, oh, man, it's hot out today, eh? And then I, I catch myself like, you actually said A. But again, it also weirds me out because it's like, don't Americans talk like that? Don't they say, like, oh, crazy out, eh? Well, let me tell you something. You know Artie Saraf? Yeah, Artie Saraf from the Fab Four. He was on the same. It, All right. He was on the same episode as Mark Benson. I know that. I know. But I'm going to give you a little. I'm going to give you a little tidbit with him. Oh. Okay. Oh. Okay. 
when you want to go to one of his shows, you got to bribe him. Now, you want to get NHL tickets with real good seats, and you message Artie and say, look, Artie, I got hockey seats for you to see the LA Kings, and you're going to have a buddy for the night. Artie loves hockey. Have Have you personally done this bribe before? Yes, I have. I live in Calgary, Alberta, where the Calgary Flames are here. And we spoke many years ago when the Fab Four were just on the scene. And he says, Nathan, come to the show and, you know, I'll take care of it. And I said, all right, I'll be there. And then I found out that I had to play. I was so devastated because I got to go meet this guy and see him, you know. And then I didn't bother him because he was getting more famous and more famous. And But, you know... Um, if there's a good LA team and he's around here, I'm going to bribe him because he loves hockey. Yeah, uh, he loves hockey. I, w- I was going to say, you live in Calgary with the Calgary Flame. Um, how does it feel living in an area with a hockey team that doesn't completely disappoint? Have you ever been to a hockey party after they win the Stanley Cup? Uh, no. <laughs> the Maple Leafs haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1967. Well, I'll tell you, people get wild and they go crazy. Hockey, sorry to say, guys, is a Canada game. We own hockey. All right? Even if most of the Let's players are straight. Russian. It doesn't yeah. matter. Hockey is Canadian. Mm-hmm. But Americans love hockey, so we can all be enjoying the same sport. Like I said, if you want to hang out with Artie, get some hockey tickets, and you're in. There you go. You heard it here first. Fans on the run. Yep. And tell him, um, the pu- and tell him that, that that you want one of his bases, okay? He's got a whole bunch of I, them. I, I told him, if you ever wanted to get rid of one of those Rickenbackers, I, I know where you, it, would, it would go to good use. That's right. What would you do with a Rickenbacker? Um, probably play it. You would be in your glory to have a Rickenbacker and putting on the shade jacket, I'm telling you. Well, my the closest thing I've got to like a real Rickenbacker is my buddy has a 330. Although I don't like the neck. So that's kind of put me off of Ricky's. Well, don't don't be judging by one guitar. You know, they're not all like yeah. that. Believe me, if you want to play Beatles, you got to have the Beatles guitars. Well, yeah. The, the, you don't, you don't, but if you want to look cool, yeah. you got to have the Beatles guitars. The Gretsch, I will say, <laughs> is a very, very comfy guitar. A very nice guitar to play. I got to play, like, an original 64 Country Gentleman at a music store, and I was in heaven. You should have just walked out with it. Yeah, uh... Again, this was the Chicago Music Exchange, so they probably had like a sniper on me, like as I was walking around the store. Well, listen, we both got to run here, yeah. you know. You get it? Now on the run, we got to run. Anyways, Nathan, it's it's been awesome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And where are we going to be in twenty minutes? I don't know. Somewhere. We're going to be on the Plastic EP show from Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. Hey bananas, you think you're groovy? Hey bananas. What a world. To everyone else out there. Are you ready? To everyone else out there, 
Thank you for listening. You can go home. Bands on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillip. This has been a Showtown production.